So I don't think I'm telling you anything you don't already know, but I think the compensation model in the restaurant industry in the United States is broken. The good news, though, is that it is very much working in many other parts of the world. And so right now we're in the sixth installment of our Rethinking Restaurants uh, arc, right? Ten episodes uh, challenging you guys to rethink um, your preconceived notions about restaurants today. Man, we're going we're gonna to step into the swamp. I want to talk about compensation, and I want to talk about then tipping. We can't not talk about this. The bad news is I think it's broken. The good news is I think there are some places we can look to, uh, to model after as we move forward. All of that on today's episode of Restaurant Strategy. There's an old saying that goes something like this. You'll only find three kinds of people in the world. Those who see, those who will never see, and those who can see when shown. This is Restaurant Strategy, a podcast with answers for anyone who's looking. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. My name is Chip Close. This is Restaurant Strategy, a podcast dedicated solely to helping you build a more profitable restaurant. Each week, I leverage my 20 plus years in the industry to help you do just that to build a more profitable and sustainable business. I also work directly with owners and operators all over the world through my P3 Mastermind program. So this is a mastermind group coaching format where uh, currently we've got more than 100 people enrolled in the program spread across three different groups. We're getting ready to open a fourth group soon. People meet two hours every single week so that we can uh, we can work through the unique challenges that we face in our industry. So if you've got a good restaurant, you've been around for a while, you're driving a lot of, re- a lot of revenue, if you make a lot of hungry people happy but struggle to generate generate a consistent, predictable 20% to the bottom line, then we want to talk with you. Set up a free call. Go to uh, our website, restaurantstrategypodcast.com slash schedule. Grab some time on the calendar. You'll chat with me or someone from my team. We'll get to learn about you and your restaurant. You'll get to ask questions about the program we run so you can see if you're a good fit for that program. The impact we're making has been incredible. And so if this sounds like you, then I want to chat with you. Again, go to our website. That link is in the show notes. We look forward to chatting with you. Now, are you frustrated with managing your catering and private events with pen and paper or outdated programs? Introducing Triple Seat, the catering sales and event management software built for hospitality professionals by hospitality professionals. With Triple Seat, you will increase revenue and efficiency all while streamlining your operations. Let Triple Seat be your catering and event management assistant. You can generate leads, create tailored BEOs, facilitate online discussions, obtain electronic signatures, process payments, and everything in between. Triple Seat literally has you covered. Elevate and simplify your event management. Take it to the next level with Triple Seat so you can focus on what truly matters, providing unforgettable experiences for your clients. For more information, visit tripleseat.com slash restaurant strategy. And yes, that link is in the show notes. So now, if you're new to the show, you're catching us right in the middle of a 10-episode arc. This is a little bit unique for us. I do this from time to time, um, and this one I'm really excited about. Uh, I'm challenging us to rethink the industry, right? I've dubbed this Rethinking Restaurants. I'm challenging you to think outside the box, to, to think how else 
this industry might work because the world is uh, has changed in profound ways over the last 30 years. And, and the way we used to do things 30 years uh, would seem foreign to many people, um, to many people on the planet now, right? Everything's changed. The world continues to change. And our industry will continue to change over the next little while. So we've rethought everything from the business model, from the way we price, right? The, the, we talked about dynamic pricing. Uh, we talked about our service models. We talked about cuisine and how we define cuisine. Last time we talked about the customer journey and how we create a better customer relations management, how we can challenge our technology partners to really create this thing that I think we so desperately need. And today we're going to talk about compensation. Specifically also, we can't talk about compensation without talking about tipping because here in the United States, tipping is the way that the, the majority of, of our people get paid. They get paid uh, not by us, but they get paid by the people that they serve. And um, it's an unusual practice. It's, you know, in, in most other parts of the world, in most other uh, places in this country, a tip is just a, hey, a little something extra, a little a little thank you, and um, which, is a, which is a nice gesture. And unfortunately, in this country, uh, most of the front of house employees, that's how they make the majority of their money. That's how they make a living wage. We can't talk about compensation without talking about tipping. We can't talk about compensation with at least acknowledging some of the problems that currently exist. And again, on all of this, I'm gonna to point to some models in other countries where I think they're doing it really well and I think that much more closely uh, aligns with, with where I think we're gonna go. It just, it seems so obvious to me. We're gonna get into all of that. When we talk about the restaurant industry, especially in this country, in the United States, right? 20% of the revenue that flows through any given restaurant is distributed to a small number of people. Those are the servers, the bartenders, the bussers, the runners, the barista, the host. 20% of the cash that flows through flows to those people. And that is not the entire staff. It's give or take half or, or, or maybe a little bit more than half in some restaurants. Most restaurants, the entire back of house staff is separate from that, right? Management teams, obviously separate from that. But 20% of the revenue that flows through goes to just that group of people. Now it does that. It does that because we can't afford the, the model of running a restaurant in the United States in the year 2024 um, doesn't afford us uh, the luxury of paying people what they're actually worth. So we have to pass on that expense to the consumer. I'm uh, I'm moved by the fact that consumers do this so willingly. Tip 15, 20, 25% every single time simply because that's the cultural norm. Um, I, I think it's amazing. And I think if that ever stopped, um, obviously this entire industry would, would fall apart because we, we couldn't afford to pay people. That would be, that would be, that'd be everything. And yet, I think we have to figure out a way to do it. And, and yet, I think, I think that's where we have to go. And that's become obvious as certain states, like out in the West Coast, have done away with the tip credit. For most of you guys, you know what a tip credit is. It means that uh, we have to pay our people a minimum wage, but, um, but restaurant owners have lobbied to say, well, our servers actually make tips, so they make way more than minimum wage, so I shouldn't have to pay minimum wage. I should be able to pay them less than as long as their tips plus their wages 
um, equal to something greater than minimum wage. And so most states have obliged. And we've got what's called the tip credit. And you pay anywhere from two thirteen an hour up to maybe $10, $11, $12 in uh, major markets like, like in New York City. So that makes sense, right? That's We, we landed there. Um, we landed there after many, many years of trying to find something that was uh, that made sense for everybody. Except tipping doesn't make sense. I think it's amazing. I've uh, you know I've been to different restaurants where um, there was no tipping, um, especially here in the United States. Danny Meyer here in New York uh, did away with tipping for several years uh, pre-pandemic. Uh, famously, when we ca- he came back after the pandemic, he did away with it. Um, he called it hospitality included. And I got to tell you, it was such a lovely experience being in the dining room uh, and just knowing that the price was the price. And I, what I was paying was all I had to pay. And there was no there was no extra that I had to pay at the end. I got to tell you. And there was a, a handful of restaurants um, that did it that still do it. Um, and it is such a lovely experience. It's just there's no pressure to pay anything, you say, oh, no, the, the staff is all taken care of. Please don't, you know, in Danny Meyer's restaurant, they didn't allow uh, they didn't allow anything above that. In all of this, it bears mentioning that uh, I was the uh, beneficiary of the tipping model. So I, I served and uh, was a captain in New York City for many, many years, and I benefited from that. And yet I can't help but admit that there were a lot of other people that worked just as hard or way harder than me or were more integral to the operation than I was or any other captain or server on the floor that were more integral to the operation that made way less than me simply because that was the cultural norm, that line cooks or a sous chef gets paid one way and servers or captains or bartenders get paid another way. I don't know how we jive that moving forward. I don't know how we reconcile that disparity. I am certainly not the first person to bring this up. But the whole idea of this uh, this arc of episodes is challenging you to rethink your preconceived notions. A restaurant does not need to exist with tipping in place. A restaurant does not need to exist where we can only tip the front of the house. Now, I'll pause here and say, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a labor attorney. I'm not a legislator. Every one of you listening are from a different state and a different municipality within your state. The laws are different every single place you go. But if you look to the way California's done it, a lot of restaurants have started doing this, right? Since there is no tip credit, they've said, well, then we should be able to spread the tips out to whoever, and a lot of restaurants are spreading tips out, not only to front of house, but back of house as well. And it's helped them lower the hourly wage and let the cooks share in the tips so that actually the restaurant's paying less out, but the cooks are making more than they would have otherwise made. It is quite literally a win-win. So that's a model that I've seen a lot of people adopt. It's not legal in every single market. So you have to, you have to, you have to, uh, speak with a labor attorney to make sure that you are adhering to the laws in your state and in your municipality. But it is one potential way that I see this moving forward to bring more equity between front of house and back of house, not just because, quote unquote, it's the right thing to do, but there's a business case for it that you don't have this revolving door of cooks who leave to go to another place because they're making a dollar or two more an hour or more at another place that if you can take care of people, give them a great place to work and a steady stream, a steady income stream, they're not gonna go anywhere. So when we talk about compensation, 
we have to talk about some of these other models that are out there. When we talk about compensation, we also have to have this conversation about staff development, which we're really going to have next episode, but I just want to tee it up a little bit. Part of the way we compensate our team or, or a compensation package is not just the money they take home, but the benefits they get, right? Whether that's health benefits or vision or dental or PTO, but also continuing education and the further development of an employee so that they understand I'm entering at, I'm at this place when I enter this job, but part of my compensation is continuing education so that I'm gonna be able to make more six months from now or a year from now, or I'm gonna be able to be promoted into better positions which will make me more marketable because I will have more marketable skills. So when we talk about compensation, I feel like too often we don't even talk about that. But the way we develop our team is a key part of what we are paying them, what we're giving them. I was certainly, uh, I was certainly part of different organizations. Um, one of the first restaurants I ever worked at, that restaurant group really prided themselves on their education and their staff development. And there were marketable skills that I gained throughout that that made me more attractive to other organizations that after five years of working for that company and I went away to go to another company, I was very attractive to those other companies simply because of all that I had learned, all that I had been trained to do over my five years with the first organization. That's a big part of people's compensation, and we don't talk about it enough. Now, moving forward, I have said this before, and I will continue to say it. I think restaurants are going to be more expensive in the future, and I think restaurants have to be more expensive in the future. Our profit margins are too thin, too narrow. Too many restaurants don't make money at all. There was a big report that just came out a couple of weeks ago that talked about how uh, the average independent restaurant in this country in 2023 made a 4% profit. 4%. The average restaurant in this average uh, restaurant in this country is about $1.2 million. It's about $100,000 a month. To make 4% on a million dollars, split between two, three partners, a chef, uh, you do the math. That doesn't that pie doesn't divide up very many times. So moving forward, I think restaurants are going to have to be more expensive, and I think as we continue to have this labor conversation, and we're and we're getting to a we're getting to a push point where wages keep going up and up and up, and I, I'm I'm sort of amazed that we haven't had this conversation yet. Um, I really thought it was going to happen in this last year, but as wages go up and up and up. We have to pass those expenses on to the consumer. And the consumer at a certain point will decide that it's either worth it or not worth it. And then restaurants are going to have to respond by making experiences that are worth it. So much of what I talk about when we talk about uh, this marriage between marketing and operations is saying, okay, who needs something that we can provide and how do we do it in a more compelling way than anyone else out there? And then how do we convince people that ours is the most compelling solution? That is a dance between marketing and operations. That as restaurants get more expensive, people will think twice about spending that money 
And therefore, we have to convince them even more strongly that it is worth the expense and they should want to come join us. Compensation is a big part of this because we are going to have to pay our people better. We are going to want to pay our people better. I think there's a future 30 years from now where this is a very, very desirable industry to work in. I mean, already you can uh, you can do so much. You can do so much in this industry if you just present yourself as capable and engaged. I'm certainly a testament to that. I started in this industry with no training in this industry, no real desire to be in this industry. But I applied myself, presented myself as capable, qualified, intelligent, and engaged. I learned. I listened. There's nothing special that I possessed at that point in my career aside from that. Curiosity. Willingness to do what was required, and I think a lot of people have that. So when we talk about restaurants, they're going to be more expensive because we're going to have to pay our people more and more and more. And eventually we're going to want to raise our prices more than just 50 cents or a dollar to keep up with the increased cost of goods or the increase in wages. Eventually, I hope we're all going to sit back and say, man, I need to make more money doing this. This is too hard. Everyone else is getting paid and I'm not getting paid. That's, that's literally why I do what I do, to help restaurant owners make more money from their restaurants so that they can provide for their children and their children's children and enjoy some quality of life. Because I think what we do is too important and too hard to not make money doing it. I have said that before. As we think about the compensation model, luckily, it, it's easy to look at other places in the world that I think have a model that we can adapt and adopt, right? I was in, uh, I was in London last year and the UK pretty much, right, it's a 10% service charge put on every single check. 10% on every single check. And that gets distributed to the staff or it helps offset the hourly wages that the employer is paying. Now, when we do that, right, this is not autograt. There is no such thing as autograt, for the record. Maybe I should do an episode on that. There's no such thing as autogratuity because if it's uh, a compulsory charge, like a service charge, if the consumer must pay it, then you have to collect sales tax on that. If it is a charge that is being charged, a mandatory charge that's being, uh, that's being applied to the bill, then sales tax has to be applied to it. So if any of you guys are doing uh, autographs, man, stop. Or make sure you're collecting that you're adding this, the uh, sales tax is also being collected on that number. So we could apply a, a service charge to every single check, 10%, 12%, 15%, that would offset this. But we got to be careful. This is part of the reason why I'm so against this 3% credit card processing fee. Because if we pay, you know, 6, 7, 8% sales tax and we pay 3% for the credit card processing and right now currently 20% for service, you start looking at it, you're like 10 plus 7 plus 3 or 20 plus 7 plus 3. It's like 30% more than you signed up to spend. And, and, and where's that threshold, right? Certain, um, 
certain places in California also have to do um, like a health insurance fee for the for the staff on and on. Like how many how much how much more are people going to stand for it? We already hate it when we go to, you know, book an Airbnb and we've got, you know, hundreds of dollars of additional fees or when we book a, a flight and we've got, you know, hundred dollars in additional fees, taxes, things like that. We hate that. Most people hate that. I hate that. So when we look at compensation, we can't keep adding a 3%, a 2%, a 7%, a 10%. We can't keep doing that. There has to be, there's going to be a, there's going to be a line we cross and people aren't going to be happy anymore. But I think when you look at the way UK does it, when you look at the way I was in New Zealand, they do that uh, as well. When you see the way they do that, or in most of Europe, they add a you know couple percentage points to the check. When you do that, I, I think uh, when you see how they do that, I, I think it's obvious that that's the only way forward. Truly believe. But really, mostly, mostly the way that we uh, achieve any of this is by increasing the price of our of the experience. And I think we have to make it worth the additional price that people pay. It's very obvious to see where we're going with dining, right? That the dining is sort of being bifurcated. We're either dining for uh, convenience or experience, right? We either want food fast, quick, exactly where we want it, when we want it, and we're willing to pay extra for that, right? Or it's an experience. We want it to be worth it. And I think everything in the middle, just like food, food that's thrived over the last 30 years, I think it's largely going to go away as we move forward. I think people are after convenience or experience. And here's the really, really important thing to note. I think people are willing to pay extra for each of those. The proof is when I order sushi from Uber Eats. If I order sushi for my family, it's maybe 80 or $90, right? Because we get a lot. And when I order it from Uber Eats, it's 130 or 140 in some cases, it's 40 to 50% more than it would otherwise be, but I'm willing to pay for it for the convenience of it literally showing up at my door. I'm willing to pay extra. So when everybody says, oh, people aren't willing to pay for this, yes, they are. They're willing to pay for it in certain circumstances, convenience and experience. That's the only way that we fix the compensation model which will help us run really effective, efficient restaurants. Next time, we're going to talk all about education and development. And after that, in the eighth episode in this arc, we're going to get where, where all of you guys really want to be, which is talking about technology. Because technology, I think, in many ways, is the solution or is the, is the tie to all of this. I hope you're getting something out of this string of episodes. Again, the whole point is to challenge you to rethink your assumptions, your preconceived notions about how a restaurant is supposed to be. A restaurant is not supposed to be anything. It can be whatever it will be. And it has been many different things over the last many thousands of years. It will continue to evolve. And certainly the things that have happened in our planet, in our world over the last 30 or 40 years, with the advent you know, of computers, technology, the internet, and on and on, it's uh, foolish to think that our industry wouldn't or shouldn't change as well. If you get any value from these episodes, I really appreciate you going to Apple Podcasts. Uh, leave us a five-star rating and review. Just tell people what you get out of the show. That, more than anything else, um, helps us grow this community. I appreciate you guys being here every single week. Thank you very much, and I will see you next time.